welcome to this podcast produced by Imagine, your resource for early childhood music therapy. Imagine is produced by Della Vista Publisher and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled Creating Capacity, What Therapists Need to Know About Advocacy for Music in Early Childhood and presented by Dr. Dina Register. As the Regulatory Affairs Advisor for the Certification Board for Music Therapists, Dr. Register works with music therapists across the country on obtaining professional recognition. She is the Director of the Music Therapy Program at West Virginia University and presents regularly on her work and research in early intervention and literacy skill development. When thinking about young children and their potential for growth and development, the idea of creating capacity or working to maximize the potential for young children to grow into happy, healthy, thriving adults is one that should be at the heart of our work. In this podcast, Dr. Register calls to action to advocate for music and the arts in early childhood as a way for all children to interact, communicate and grow. She explores how we can stretch beyond the musical work to help others understand that music and the arts can support the development of the whole child. Merriam-Webster defines capacity as the largest amount or number that can be held or contained. When we think about young children and their potential for growth and development, the idea of creating capacity or working to maximize the potential for young children to grow into happy, healthy, thriving adults is one that should be at the heart of our work. Part of this call to action is advocating for music and for the arts in early childhood as a way for all children, regardless of age or ability level, to interact, communicate, and grow. So while music in early childhood can seem like a given, it's often overlooked in budgeting and funding discussions as something that's nice to have as opposed to something that's essential. So how do we overcome this antiquated idea that music is an, quote, extra, end quote, as opposed to a primary modality for all children to learn and thrive together. Advocacy. While advocacy from the grassroots level, so teachers, parents, community members, is essential, we tend to overlook the individuals that are considered what are called grass tops. These are individuals who are decision makers and have direct influence on or access to funding and programming. These are usually administrators, lawmakers, agency heads, and executive directors. They're faced daily with making budgetary decisions that will also produce the greatest results while trying to accommodate and please all the populations that they serve. This is not a small task. Very often, advocacy efforts involving the grassroots includes outreach and mobilization of those individuals and their net various networks. So in contrast, when we're advocating with grass tops or decision makers, it's helpful to have an invitation to discuss the issue of interest. In April of this year, Judy Simpson, the American Music Therapy Association Director of Government Relations, and I were invited to present a one-hour briefing at the U.S. Department of Early Learning in Washington, D.C. Um, any interested points of contact in the U.S. Department of Education system were invited to listen in or attend this presentation about the use of music therapy in early childhood education. The meeting was held in a large conference room at the USDOE building and more than half of the 13 participants joined via teleconference. The meeting was presided over by Stephen Hicks, who's the senior policy analyst for the Department of Early Learning. 
One of the greatest challenges of this type of presentation is making sure that you begin with an operational definition uh, and an adequate description so that anyone in the room, regardless of their experience, is able to connect to the fundamental principles of how music benefits young children and, most importantly, how to help early childhood educators acquire the skills or access quality services for young children. Most of the individuals participating in the briefing had little or no prior knowledge of or experience with music therapy or how it might benefit children of all ability levels. So after about 20 minutes of presentation material that included things like the benefits and outcomes, we were able to engage in a conversation of possibilities and how to help teachers, parents, and young children access music as part of an early learning environment. It was a really unique and exceptional opportunity for Judy and me as music professionals and the Department of Education staff as decision makers and policy advocates to share various ideas, perspectives, and issues aimed at better understanding how we all might serve the needs of young children, their families, and the professionals that serve them. By the time we left the building that morning, I had received via email critical information regarding funding for research in arts and education. I'm using this story to illustrate how vital conversations and outreach can be to continuing our quest to serve young children through music. In a follow-up conversation with the program advisor that reached out to me with the call for proposals for funding for arts and education research, I learned that some of the information that I shared were things that she interpreted as compelling reasons for funding research on the benefits of music with young children. It was helpful to hear what portions of the presentation caught her attention and were interesting to her. I offered those pieces of information next as food for thought when you're planning your own presentations to audiences that may or may not truly understand the critical role that music plays in development. First of all, we have to explain the question, why music? Music is the great equalizer. It offers everyone in the group, regardless of their age or ability level, a way to engage. Perhaps a child is more timid and appears passive in the context of a music group initially, but very often we discover later, after time to process and integrate the experience, that the child relates to something from the music group or they begin to engage with their peers in music. Secondly, we want to keep our explanations simple and our examples simple. We can't assume that everyone has prior knowledge or experience with music in the context of an early childhood setting. Take the time to know and explain the multiple benefits of singing to young children and the various ways it helps them organize thoughts, information, and experiences. Take the time to ask some questions of the audience to find out what do they know and what their perspective or role is and what common grounds you might have. Often we make assumptions that because someone has a particular professional role or set of duties, they don't know or care about the issue, music for young children in this case, in the same way that we do. Think about what rapport you can build with decision makers around common goals and needs. Music therapy is a very cost-effective service that really gets the job done efficiently and effectively. That is absolutely of, of interest to these administrators. So how can you help communicate that information? The fourth tip is to make concrete connections that use data and reinforce those with examples of real children whenever possible. 
Having been in many meetings and presentations related to advocacy, one of the most common questions posed is, what does the research indicate? While this is a very reasonable and logical question, I have yet to see any decision maker have a look of true understanding and meaning based solely on numbers. It's the combination of compelling research and the anecdotal experiences of clients and the social-emotional effects on real people that creates a lasting impression. So after presenting the data, you might consider sharing the story of a child that would not socialize during other classroom activities, but that makes eye contact and offers verbal engagement during music. These kinds of concrete examples that paint a picture for these decision makers um, help them remember and relate to music as meaningful and lasting. Finally, take multiple perspectives. So that of the teacher, the family, the administrator, when you're talking about the importance of services and their outcomes for each of these groups. We all like to feel that we're recognized and heard. And so by naming in your presentation the issues that each group faces and how the inclusion of music benefits not only the children, but also each of these other groups and in fact makes their job easier. So, for example, um, talking about how it can bring families together and create community, perhaps in a school district or an area where parents are not as engaged, or how it can um, lessen the burden for a teacher who is having trouble communicating with particular children and how they respond to music. So by incorporating these strategies when you're talking to others about music for young children, advocacy becomes a natural part of our interactions and how we function in multiple circles. We gain allies and advocates by creating a vision that others buy into and understand from their own personal and professional understanding. The strongest voices for our cause are those from outside the music community that can attest to the benefits of music therapy and engage others on behalf of young children and their families. Thanks for listening to this Imagine podcast produced in 2016.